0: was a stay-at-home mom for 17 years prior and worked in family and youth ministry for all of the 90s before having her oldest in 2000. She is married to John who works as the executive pastor at Watermark Community Church and they have five children ranging in age from 15 to 22. She is passionate about God's word, building his kingdom and the lives of young families and relishing a good book on the porch surrounded by their dogs. Welcome Je- Jeannie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So fun. I got to know Caitlin. We were giving a wedding shower or baby shower for one of our dear mutual friends. And you'll get to the point in life where you start to cross paths with the coolest people in celebrations, right? Whether it's weddings or whatever. This is my little toolkit. So you'll see it. It was actually, it's covered in my dog's hair, but it is, um, my sweet mother-in-law's book, and I love daisies. I grew up out in the country, a town of 600 people, got to go to Nashville to college, and ended up after college in youth ministry there for 10 years, and the guy that I worked for talked about this John Cox all the time. He had led him to Christ when he was 16, and John was just going gangbusters, and John loved to read, and I love to read, and so almost every good book that John would recommend to the guy who led him to Christ, who was my boss, the youth pastor, we would read. And so I got to know my husband through books, and I just fell in love with him. The only picture I'd ever seen of him was a um, picture of him in a bandana covered with flour at a game at camp. So that was my only visual. So it was, contrast that to how you get to know people these days, and you can basically see their whole life history on pictures. But I loved him because I loved his heart, and I loved what he was doing, and he loved to read, and I loved to read what he um sent to us. And my favorite quote from the book that John gave me, um, he had us read The Making of a Leader, um, and you are all leaders, and you are the little CEO and CFOs of your home, is methods are many, principles are few. Methods always change, principles never do. And so what you're doing here in MOPS is you're looking at the Melinda Dickardsons, you're looking at the mentor moms on your, um, I'm gonna turn this over so I don't run you late, table and you're going, teach me about the principles about life. And today we're going to talk about the principle of contentment. Now, I am not native to Dallas. Raise your hand if you were born and raised here in the Park Cities. Hallelujah. I am with my people. I was not either. Okay. And so it's so funny that those of us who are here kind of are we're looking for connection. We're looking for ways to belong. I don't know if any or all of you go to Park City's Baptist. I know I was involved with the mops at Northwest Bible, and it was my sanity. All the girls on our street built our houses and had our babies together over in East Dallas. A friend told us about mops. We came, and we didn't have the benefit of the every two weeks. I think Caitlin said you guys go every two weeks, but we were once a month. But I can remember craving and longing for and not being able to wait for that time. And that really bonded our um, friend group together because we were able to say, what are the principles that we wanna live by? So not being native to Dallas, growing up in a town of 600 in Tennessee, moved here, thought we'd be here in Dallas, maybe two or three years. And my husband was Navy, so we were either gonna go coast to coast or somewhere fun with a nonprofit. And here we are 25 years later. So about um, 16 years ago, We decided school was kind of, um, you know, we started coming to Providence, even though we were living in East Dallas, and um, we were helping start a church up in Frisco, and I felt like we were triangulated as a family. And so we started looking at maybe moving out to Rockwall Heath, him working with Lake Point there, um, moving into the Park Cities, moving up to Frisco, and when he did all the math, and we knew we wanted to stay at Providence, um, we landed on the Park Cities, and I was pregnant with a fifth child, sitting in the bathtub. I hit 200 with every child. And so I was over in East Dallas and he had gone away for a 24 hour, just pray, seek the Lord's face. What are we gonna do? Is it gonna be Rockwall? It's gonna be Frisco, it's gonna be Park Cities. And he came down and you're a bunch of moms so you understand this, it's a small bathroom. He sits down, toilet closed, on the toilet beside me. And I'm in the tub soaking because I'm hurting, I've been chasing the four kids, we had five kids under six years old, and every 18 months something happened, girls, I'm not sure what, and so the, (laughs) he looks at me and he goes, you know, I've landed on the park cities, and I just start crying, okay? I am not a parkie, I'm sitting beside his boss at a basketball game um, literally two weeks ago. We have this fun, laugh out loud, conversation about all the crazy that's going on in our world and um, in my house not just the world and he goes to work the next day and he goes I just love your wife she is so not a parkie and I'm like yes yes that's right and that has continued to follow me so this is who you're hearing about contentment from today is not a parkie okay and learning how to to wade through the um, cesspools of comparison Right? Competition and trying to find contentment in the lot that you've been cast. Now, you may not be living in the park cities either, and there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's in every neighborhood in America, every neighborhood around Dallas. That's why I carry the cup from four years ago. Our soccer mantra was stronger together, and you are stronger together. So let me pray for us and let us dig in. That's a little bit of a window into the crazy woman that you're going to be listening to today. Lord, thank you so much for these moms who have carved out time to be here and to figure out what the principles are from your word and from your truth about how they can grow content in a world that just um, begs, bribes, and um, just herds us towards competition and comparison. Help us to walk away with something from your word today that um, leads us to a place of contentment, Lord, because you are a rest, you are a confidence, you are a hope, and we come to you um, just in faith hoping that you would do that. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so I may or may not use these slides. Caitlin asked for them, I sent them to her. I'm going to start with that just because, you know, you look kind of professional if you have a PowerPoint. And so I do preschool all day long, so I just did a whole thing on prayer in my jammies and how you pray to God through every aspect of your day, 9 to 12. On Saturday, that's a lot more my jam. But I did fix my hair today, which is not normal, so you feel special. <coughs> and you, um, I do want you to have hope that there will come a day when your hair will get fixed and your you will actually... Um, want to wear the outfit you're in, It won't, you won't have been in it for three days um, straight, just hoping no, you don't run into anybody you've seen before. But I have decided there I can do one of two of three things in the morning. I can work out or get ready. I can work out and have a quiet time. I can have a quiet time and get ready. But all three of those rarely ever happen before the kids have to leave the door. So this is a Bible I've had since college, and I continue to use it because I want you guys to have a visual of – The secret of contentment is you are on God's game plan, not your own. And the world does have a game plan for you. In Genesis one, you see the absolute first case of FOMO ever. (laughs) She's got the perfect body. She has the perfect man. She has the perfect place to live and the perfect job. She's been given a commission, the first great commission Rule, subdue, fill, multiply. She's got her game plan. And the voice comes along and tells her it's not enough. You're not enough. God is withholding from you. You need more. And that, the essence of Genesis 3, introduces the topic that we're talking about today. You are not enough. Your husband is not enough. God is holding out on you. And if you would just fill in the blank, you would be content, right? So the gift of contentment starts by understanding that we are on God's game plan and not our own. So this first passage, um, I don't know why it's not going because I'm just maybe punching the wrong button. I'm not sure. Maybe we're just supposed to stay on the slide called the gift of contentment the rest of the time. I'm not sure. Okay, here we go. I don't know if I get to go back. Yes, the gift of contentment. You were put here for a purpose, okay? Eve was given a purpose. Rule, subdue, fill, and multiply. Your purpose is that your husband and your children may be encouraged in heart and united in love and may have the complete riches of full understanding. And so you are put in their life complete. I love alliteration, so you're going to hear a lot of C's. You are helping to know that they are complete in Christ, and they have the understanding they are made in the image of God with a purpose, and you are put on the planet to remind your husband of who he is, and what God has called him to do, and to love him well, and you are put here so that your children may know the mystery of God, that you're unpacking every time you cut open a little um, <coughs> pepper, and you see inside, I'm sure you guys have had Mary Flo and Megan come Um Inside every creature is the material to make another creature just like it. Isn't God an incredible designer? They study alphabet, math, um, science, physics, all that stuff, just to unpack the mystery of God's creation. And as you study God's creation, which is key to contentment, I want you to share in your groups, write this down, and you'll have this, I think, Caitlin, did you give them the discussion questions for later? Be thinking about this whole talk. What is your favorite part of nature? What is your favorite part of nature? For mine, it's a waterfall. When I can sit and look at a waterfall, I know God is great and I am small. And the secret of contentment, knowing that you're made in the image of God, as you look at each waterfall, each one is exceptionally, exquisitely different. Each tree, each plant, each blade of grass, exceptionally and exquisitely different. No two, even of the same species, are just alike. And they don't consider the lilies. They don't compare, and they don't compete. They just bloom where they're planted, and they fall where they're, you know, designed to fall. And we as creatures of the living God created in his image have the freedom not to compete and not to compare and just stay in our lane and do what we're created to do. The mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So your purpose each day is a treasure hunter. You can go on a scavenger hunt each day with your children, with your husband, helping them discover the beauty and the mystery of the world God put them in and who he created them to be. And so if you you can find contentment by knowing, as simple as it is, that's your purpose, is helping them discover themselves in the image of God. In Titus 2, 1 through 13, we learn to be content with God's game plan. So he's given us a purpose to help them be complete and to know the mystery, which they've been entrusted to. And then our purpose, it says, for the grace of God has a, that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And you're doing two things at home. It teaches them to say no. You're teaching them what to say no to. You know, to all um, the world, and to no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives while we wait. The hardest part of life is waiting. And I don't know about you, but I couldn't wait to get married. And then I couldn't wait to have kids. And then I couldn't wait to have a house of my own. Figured out I'm a horrible decorator, so I kind of wish we'd go like the apartment. Um, I just couldn't wait. And now you just get to the 55 part of life, and you're like, life is a series of hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. Just came through the part in Genesis where Isaac meets Rebecca. It is the ultimate romantic you know, picture this kind of hallmark moment where he's up on a hill praying, waiting for his wife to come back home. You know, the servant had had to hike literally from Texas to Tennessee, 550 miles. Found Rebecca, brought her back. He sees her at a distance. She hops off the camel, runs to him. He runs to her. They meet. They go straight. No wedding, no planning, no anything. They go straight to his mom's tent. They get busy. They, have a f- they start wanting to have a family. And then one sentence in the Bible tells of the suffering they headed into next and it was twenty years they had to wait before they had a child his parents had just waited twenty-five he waited twenty and if you really look in the Bible you see life is a long period of waiting children of Israel had been in captivity four hundred years that was prescribed when God made the promise to Abraham they had waited four hundred years in silence before Jesus, the promise was fulfilled. Life is a series of waiting. And so you want to teach them to wait well. And there is, move on to your bar method class in just a few minutes. I just want you to think about this every time you work out. There is a weight to waiting, right? You can hold two 15-pound weights for a while, but if you're carrying them to the car and somebody starts talking to you and you're sitting there going, I just did Camp Gladiator, I just worked out, I really got to put these down. There is a weight of waiting. It gets heavier and heavier, and that's where the grace of God, you need him to undergird you. You learn to wait for what? The blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, eager to do what is good. So you're teaching them to wait not on, I mean, Melinda and I were talking about what our kid's going to do next year not on the college acceptance, not on the date that you want to go to homecoming or prom, not on the husband to finally ask you to marry him. You're waiting for Jesus to come back. So the secret of contentment is knowing your purpose here is to help them unpack the mystery, and then your his game plan is he came and he's coming back. So you gotta look at the long term. You've gotta get your eyes up off the immediate Are my kids going to get into the right day school? Is my husband going to get the right job? Are we going to get the right house? Am I wearing the right shoes with this outfit? I mean, you know, is this the right hair color? Should I go a little lighter? Should I go a little darker? I mean, crazy. When I first moved here, my mom had said she would pay me if I would get my hair highlighted for my wedding. And I'm a natural kind of girl. I'm like, nope, not doing it, not going there. (coughs) I get to Dallas. Everybody colors their hair, right? And I start getting my wedding album pictures in because it took a lot longer. Nobody uploaded them on anything at that point in time. And I just see how dark my hair is. And my mom was right. My hair even looked darker in the pictures. I thought I had blonde highlights because I was outside a lot in youth ministry. I did not. Um, And I'm like, wow. So what do I do? I go to Walgreens and I get the little L'Oreal bottle and I quickly, within six months to a year, had really orange hair. <laughs> and it looked good to me in the mirror, but again, mirrors are deceptive. It was orange. And it was not until you go to Eckerd's then at the time, Walgreens, get the pictures back, I'm like, oh my gosh, my hair's orange. And so roll it forward for the next you know, 12, 15 years really, I am still struggling with the whole hair color thing. But my kids are at Providence, my third is in eighth grade, and I'm tired of the orange. I'm tired of trying to find the balance, okay? So I've tried and not succeeded and did let the hairdresser do it for a while, didn't like that, kind of turned ashy. I'm like, I ah, just L'Oreal's fine for me. We're going to find that golden blonde somewhere. <laughs> and so <coughs> I go to Aveda because that's $20 and you get your hair head massaged. It feels incredible. The smells are awesome. Your phone doesn't work because you're down in the basement. And I had, a t- I had like a, Twelve o'clock appointment. Headed to two thirty carpool. I'm um, just having a spa day, right, for twenty dollars, and so I sit down in the seat of a girl. You know, it's just kind of blind luck when you get there of whoever's training that day, and she is this sweet Hispanic girl with white hair, the color of your jacket, and I'm like, hmm. Uh, okay, I hope this is going to be good. Her first question out of her mouth is, do you know Jesus? I'm like, great, no evangelism today. I can check that box. She knows Jesus. She's going to tell me about him. I can just relax and get my hair cut, right? And so I said, great. So she tells me her story. She'd been in jail, seventh child, six brothers, felt like she was going up the river. And She had her Bible open on her lap and like, God, I'm really ready to turn it back over to you. Just let me go. She goes before the judge. The judge, out of the mercy of his heart, no good reason, looks at her and goes, do you want a second chance? And she's like, yes, I want a second chance. And he's like, don't do it anymore. It's like Jesus and the woman caught in the act of adultery. She's like, I won't. He's like, what have your parents always wanted you to do? And she's like, get a job. He's like, go get a job. So he lets her free, he cuts her loose. She goes home, mom and dad are ecstatic. She goes to Aveda, always wanted to cut hair and do makeup. That's who's cutting my hair. I'm like, it can't go any better than this. I mean, this girl is on fire. And so um, I said, look, her name was Giselle. What, is, what do I need to do to get rid of this orange? Because I know clearly she's into hair color because her hair's white and I know it was naturally black. And she said, um, <laughs> she said, well, if you go pixie today, you can be rid of it. And I kind of always liked the Halle Berry look. I'd gone Meg Ryan for most of the 90s. I was, I was, I was ready, right? Because I was just done with the bottle. So I'm like, let's go. Well, about every two cuts, she kind of steps back and takes a moment, and then she cuts two more links off and steps back and takes a moment. Well, it's getting to be like two o'clock. I gotta get to carpool. My phone's not working. I can't call in a favor and say, please pick up my kids because my phone's not working. So about halfway through this process, maybe two thirds, I go, Giselle, this is taking a little bit longer than I planned and if you do go to Aveda, leave two hours because they have to get checked and they have to have their professor come and stuff. So don't just think it's an hour haircut. (coughs) I'm like, I'm gonna go to carpool and then I'm gonna come back. So I get out of the chair and I get in the car and I'm driving to Providence and I go through carpool line and the eighth grader gets in the car and she looks at me and she looks forward, and then she looks out the window and starts bawling. <laughs> and I'm like, "Honey, what is it?" And she is a soccer player, and she's like, "You look like Abby Wambach." <laughs> and I'm like, "For those of you who know Abby Wambach, I wish I looked like Abby Wambach, like from here down." But her hair was not my favorite. I'm like, oh, honey, I know it's a mess. I'm going to go back. I look like a weed eater has hit my head. Um, I'm going to go back and get it fixed. It's going to be okay. I just wanted to get rid of the orange. And she's just crying all the way home, assured that this is my midlife crisis. And so she gets home. I go back to Aveda. And the um, guy, the professor guy, I go back. Giselle's nowhere to be found. And (laughs) he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. She had a stomach bug. She went home. And I saw that going down, and I just have to let you know I'm so sorry. I'll do my best to clean it up. And I'm like, okay, last haircut at Aveda, girls. Haven't been back since. (laughs) I'm like, it's a good deal, only if you're getting a trim and you really want a good hair massage. All that is to say, I was trying so hard to fit in, and my kids are looking at me going, what are you doing? You're you're just all over the place. And (laughs) don't get your hair cut pregnant ever don't change hairstyles. And number two, what are we doing? You know, who are we trying to please? And who am I going after? And what am I aiming at? And I I tell you that because the whole, I wasn't waiting well. I didn't want to wait for that hair to grow off and the decision that I'd made just to take its natural course. I'm hoping now that I get natural highlights and go gray. I've got a spot of gray coming in the back. I'm like, why won't it just come in up here and then I'll never have to worry about highlights again. It's not happening. I'm still waiting on that day. Run into my friends all the time who have this pretty natural gray coming in their hair. It looks like highlights. I'm like, nope. I'm still waiting, girls. The hair has not yet emerged. Um, That is all part of God's game plan. He knows every hair on my head. He is familiar with all my ways. He created me. He knows me completely. So whether it's your hair that you're struggling with, your house, your husbands, your heathens, your own heart. He's got you, and he made you, and he's got a plan and a purpose for you. And so just learn to be content and don't make spontaneous decisions. Call at least three women in your life who know you well and will speak truth to you before you go and decide to do something like that. And maybe even ask your husband and your children. That would be really wise. So once you get to the point of being content with God's game plan, he's got you here waiting, is how he makes you strong. Lifting weights is how your heart and your mind and your, bo- your body gets strong. You don't get stronger without stress, okay? Stress makes you stronger. The weight of waiting, the weight of staying in a squat. Have you guys heard that song, Sally Down, Sally Up, Sally Down? We played it at First Friday, which is our version of Parents' Nice Out for families with disability. Um Friday night and one of the guys we were waiting for all the groups to get in he's like have you heard Sally up Sally down and it's this song that you can put on with your kids at any point in time and do a wall sit or squats or planks whatever and it gives you kind of a timed thing and counts for you it's so much fun the whole room was having a blast but I thought to myself that's waiting you're learning to wait well together in unison and, and really hold a squat or hold a plank waiting is a part of the deal and that robs us, okay, not knowing our purpose, which is our purpose is to be complete and to make the mystery known. Not knowing waiting is part of the process and it's part of God's plan breeds discontent because we don't want to wait. We want to hurry up. We want a fast fix. We want instant everything, Instacart, cart, instant everything. doesn't work that way. That's never been God's way. Waiting is part of it. Hence, Isaac and Rebecca, Abraham and Sarah, 400 years for Jesus, you see it all through scripture. So the next part is learning to be content with the position he's given me on his team. The most productive study, the most effective paradigm shift I've ever done came through doing a study called the five aspects of woman. And it's a study, it's the most checked out and read um, thesis at DTS ever. And the lady who did it back in the 70s, 80s, it was her kind of opus, how do you say that, opus magnum, opus, some whatever. It's her, the height of all her learning is being a missionary, a pastor's wife. And she went through scripture and she comes through and found the five things that a woman, 18 to 88, married, windowed, widowed, single is supposed to be. And it has helped to galvanize my view of any woman I'm walking with. I walk with a lot of young single women in ministry, a lot of young marrieds a lot of you know young marriages with children it applies to everything and the thing that she does is she helps us understand that God created us to be a helper completer okay a mistress of our domain first rule subdue fill and multiply that's why each of you struggle with control and wanting an orderly home god created the the garden in perfect order we long for order don't Don't despise that in yourself. Now, I'm not saying go OCD, but the OCD is part of your DNA. You mean a woman is designed to bring order and beauty. Look at these tables, look at the beautiful handouts. A woman is designed to bring order to a situation, order to chaos. A woman is designed to be a helper completer. We were not called to run the world, but we are the height of creation. And it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for a boss to run a company by themselves. You may be a single woman working for a female boss. The point is the authority in your life, you are called, just as a woman, to come alongside them and be a helper completer. And that can be single, married, widowed, divorced. You're called to complete. And when we, that goes back to the first passage we looked at, when we as women decide instead of completing the people and the relationships in our life, we're gonna compete against them We're gonna compare, which is like this, am I better or worse? Or we're gonna just be in constant competition and conflict? We destroy the fabric of our relationships. So when you get in angst and you sense contentment being robbed from your heart, take a step back and go, am I completing my friend or my husband in this situation? Am I competing with them? You know, am I comparing? Think about hands side by side are, in some ways, am I just absolutely disgusted and I'm just leaving. I'm just checking out. I'm just going, I'm leaving the game. I'm going to be in conflict with you. I'm going to be in comparison. I am abandoning ship. As a helper completer, you see complete woven through this. Our contentment comes from knowing we're complete in Christ. He's given us a domain. We're here We've got our children, our house, our husband, our bodies. We're not to compare. We're not to compete. We're to complete the situation. Life giver. Your words, the tongue holds the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat, their, eat its fruit. Your words are life. Not only have you given life to this child, you have to speak words of truth over them. You told your husband you loved him, you would be with him forever, and you wanted to be his helper completer. Do your words build him up or tear him down? You decide, okay? Words, in the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. You will know the word. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Your words have weight. Are you killing those within your house with your words Are your lack of love, lack of affection? Are you building them up? Lady of Wisdom, she teaches us about Proverbs and how God has designed His creative genius, there is a whole system that he's created the universe with. And we, little by little, through science and technology and math and English and all this, are unpacking it. The world is lifelong back to point one, discovery of the mystery of God's creation. And Lady of Wisdom, whether you have heathens in your house or people who are holy and set aside and saved by grace, wherever your kids are in that line, there is a way that seems right to man. In the end, it leads to death. Lady Wisdom will show you there are consequences for obedience, there are consequences for disobedience. And you can speak that truth into any situation you're in. Um, And then last of all, you're the glory of man. You are the church. You are exemplifying to the world as a woman how Christ relates to his bride. He is the giver, you're the receiver. He's the provider, you're the provided for and the taken care of. And so we live that out as women. So when you see that, then you are able to go, okay, that's a whole like 18-month study, it's delightful. Um, when you see that, I don't know why this thing, maybe it'll click over in a minute, is not working. The, when you see that you have these five things going on, you really can walk with a woman at any stage in life and be like, um, there's a plan and a purpose for you. The hardest thing as young moms and young women um, the next one, I don't know, sir, back there, this uh, clicker thing is not working. I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong or where I'm supposed to point it, but it's not going. Um, the You'll be able to walk alongside. A lot of women in life right now will be very jealous of you. You look like you have what every woman desires. You are married. You may or may not be working or staying at home, but you're probably getting to make that choice. And then, you know, seeing as you're sitting here today. And then... You have a husband and children, and 80% of the women in your life may be in some other stage of life, and they're looking at you, and they're jealous, and you're going, but you don't know how hard this is, and you don't know how I'm dying to myself every day, and I feel so beat down, and so unworthy, and so incompetent, and so lacking. I'm either too much in one area of my life, I'm not enough in another, I need help, but everybody else is looking at you going, no, no you've got exactly what every woman wants, and what you realize is, life is hard work, girls. It is hard work. Being a mistress of her domain, a helper completer, wisdom in every situation you encounter, um, the whole life giver thing, making sure your words are good, and then the glory of man actually, you know, making beauty and order out of chaos is hard work, and that's what your task is. So, You introduce that, even if I was a single woman living in an apartment by myself, which I do dream of often with my dogs, um, (laughs) I do. I mean, you fantasize about a lot of things. For me, it's gonna be getting in a car, probably my minivan, which I've driven for way too long, and going to Seaside, and I'm going to get that little pink house called Precious. I'm gonna live there with my dogs. I'm gonna work at Modica Market and learn to make their chicken salad. I'm gonna wait tables at Budden Alley's, and one day a week, I'm going to go to that little white church, and then I'm going to go sit on the beach the rest of the day and read. Nobody else is in that picture, people, <laughs> except the preacher and the person who owns Modica Market, okay, and the people like you who come to eat and pay me big tips because I'm a really funny good waitress, okay? <laughs> that is my fantasy, okay? It To me, I, I get tired. I don't know about you. I get weary, and I start thinking about escape plans, <laughs> Mon- mostly, because of the people in my life. So the hardest area that you will have in finding contentment is, is content when the people God has placed on my team. Not only am I not enough, my husband is definitely not enough. He may be providing for me in the house over my head and a great dad, but when's the last time he asked me about how's your heart? Or, what's going on with you? I mean, they're going to be lacking in some areas. Maybe your husband only wants to sit around and talk about his feelings and he doesn't want to work. I don't know (laughs) what situation you're in, but you're going to be comparing your husband and your people to somebody else's people. Your kids are either going to be bigger, shorter, faster, taller, smarter. It doesn't matter. The people, now that you're a mom and you are basically managing people and you are now somehow a reflection of how those people are acting and behaving and achieving it doesn't end it just gets worse and you think fomo is bad when you're single and you're looking at yourself and maybe just your husband in your house introduce children into that equation so then you have to go okay how in the world am i going to not just sit and tear my people down with my insecurities it says a wise woman builds her house but with her own hands a foolish one tears hers down godliness with contentment is great gain for we bring nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. This is where creation comes in. You're at a stage in life where you can probably afford the time to take a walk every day. Go back to that piece of creation that we talked about in the beginning and you'll talk about in your discussion groups. What piece of nature speaks contentment to you? For me, it's waterfalls. Not a lot around Dallas. I can find them on the Internet. But usually a bathtub will do. Okay, I can create a little waterfall thing going on in the bathtub. Wanted, we did have a little pond in our backyard for a while over in East Dallas, so I would go out and look at that little waterfall cascading over the rocks, and it would tell me, God is great, I am small. He is king and Lord of all. You are wise in all you do. Lord, I put my trust in you. Find places in your day where you can take a walk, you can get in touch with nature. You can go this tree, this oak tree, which you can tell by my legs, My people are oak trees and there are lots of crepe myrtles in the park cities, lots of them. And so my daughter, when it was clear by the time she was about 12 or 13, she had inherited my thighs. We're standing in front of our back door, which is a full length glass, but it opts as a mirror at night. And so she's sad because her legs have bloomed. And in our backyard, God in his mercy, put a huge pecan tree and six little crepe myrtles. Now, I didn't plant those. I didn't ask for them. Sad the crepe myrtles are actually there and the pecan trees when they shed. But having said that, we're looking out the door at those trees and I'm like, honey, look at mom's legs and look at your legs. The fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. I am sorry you are cursed with carol thighs, but you are. It's just part of it. And I'm like, and there's not anything you can do about it. There's no exercise program. There's no eating plan. You're built like me. Now, her third-down sister was a crepe myrtle. She was built like her grandfather. And they've compared themselves mercilessly their whole life. I'm like, look out the back door. There's the crepe myrtle. There is the pecan tree. The pecan tree lowers the temperature in our house by 10 degrees every day in the summer. Those crepe myrtles, they really just do nothing but shed pink flowers and make a mess. (laughs) They're kind of pretty, but oh well. They really don't (laughs) serve any purpose. Not that I'm seeing the people with long, skinny legs, because I'm not. But they don't compare is the point. They don't sit there and go. They know they're designed for their purpose. They don't disparage each other like I just did. They get, they're good. They're, they're comfortable in their skin. And so what you want to communicate, especially to your girls, is, hey, I am who God made me. I'm going to be who I am. Meredith Boyd, who does Camp Gladiator downstairs and out in the park, strong is the new skinny be strong in who you are go with what you've got make the most of it and so the little phrase that pays for me as we start to wind this up is contentment comes for running your race at your pace in your space under God's grace okay so just tell that to yourself if you step back and go where am I competing and comparing? Am I running my race? Not called to run neighbor's race, not called to run husband's race today. My race, at my pace, I'm going to be content with how fast or slow God made me. Melinda and I were talking about that. I got two speeds, on and off. And then, in my space, stay in my lane, right? I, I'm i going to do what God's called me to do where he's called me to do it. And it's in the park cities, like it or not. I'm not at Modica Market today. I'm here. And so, And then under God's grace, by His grace, if I'm doing it in my own strength, I'm going to fail miserably. So the people God has put in your life, accept them for who they are. So this is from a little book that I read when I was at your stage. It has helped me so much. On your piece of paper, I want you to draw a house as we close. (coughs) The bottom of that house, the foundation of that house, is acceptance. Am I willing to accept where God has put me? for this time, for this day. Can I accept who he created my husband to be, good, bad, ugly? Can I accept that he has given me the children that he's given me with the dispositions, the disorders, the whatever they have, the gifts, the talents, the abilities or disabilities? Can I accept that child? Um, Then the two sides, draw two sides on your house. Into that house, on that foundation of Christ, he has accepted me, not because of the good things I've said or done or thought, but because of Jesus' death and resurrection. I am accepted and loved and adored by Christ. I'm going to extend that acceptance, love, and adoration to the people around me. Okay? The two walls of the house are affirmation, building people up with your words, telling them who they are. They're created in the image of God. You affirm who God made them to be and why they're here and why you're here over and over again. And then you're affectionate with them, you're hugging them, you're wrapping them up. When we're discontent, we tend to withhold affirmation and affection because we don't feel lovable and we don't feel lovely, so we don't act loving, right? The two walls in your home have got to be, I see you, I love you, I'm for you. You are perfect just the way God made you. And then affection, holding them up, it says, do not withhold love from those who deserve it when it's in your power to act. We most of the time won't neglect our babies, but we will neglect our husbands. There are four greetings a day that will tell you if your heart is in a place of resentment or acceptance of your husband. Can I kiss him in the morning when we wake up? And I'm not talking about a kiss that leads to something else. I'm talking about a, hey, I love you, good morning. Glad you woke up. The second one is as he leaves for the day. I'm glad you're leaving or going to your office for the day or I hope you get a job, whatever you're saying to him. But I love you, and I accept you, and I'm for you, hug and a kiss. When he comes home into the chaos that abounds, stop what you're doing, give him a hug and a kiss, wrap him up, and say, I'm so glad you're home. And I just said that because Jeannie told me to, but I really am. Um, Then don't tell him that part. And then the last thing is before you go to bed, a hug and a kiss. Wow, what a day. I love you. I'm so glad we're in this together. That will tell you If you're in a place of contentment with your husband, if you're not able to do one of those greetings, it means, this is another talk, there needs to be an inventory taken of resentment and regret and how God's redeeming it, but we'll talk about that next time. Um, That is the affection, the affirmation, then, especially with your kids, you're going to have the roof of authority and accountability. But too many of us start parenting with hard lines of accountability and authority we haven't made the child or the husband feel accepted, there's no affection and affirmation, and then we try to layer on all these rules, these do's and don'ts, and you've basically got to live up to my expectations, that roof caves in, because there's no foundation under it. So when you are getting nowhere with your children and your husband, step back, go have uh, clear, in the, clear in the slate, I'm loving and accepted by God just the way I am, and you are too, say I'm wrong and I'm sorry, please forgive me, let's have a do over. Build up those walls of affection, and, it, and um, this is not mine. This was somebody whose name I can't remember, but it's really good. So don't say Jeannie made this up because she didn't. Of Acceptance um, of aff- affirmation and affection. And then the roof of, hey, how do we need to behave in this situation? What do we need to do to go forward comes. So wrapping up, um, contentment, the Philippians 4, God's place for me on the planet. Um, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation right i know the secret of having plenty i know the secret of being in want whether well-fed or hungry i can do all things through christ who strengthens me know that that last verse that we take out of context all over the place has to do with contentment can i be content with having everything i want or nothing that i want you have everything you need according to god's riches and promises in christ jesus live there um the secret of contentment is, is knowing well-fed, hungry, in any situation. You have Christ, and you can do anything he's called you to do that day, not tomorrow. His grace has covered the past. He's got the future. Stay in today. And then his playbook and perfect timing. This is the bath time thing. This is last. This is what I did on Saturday morning. Every mom needs to know it. Every day, if you got up and took a bath and put on the same dirty, nasty clothes after 365 days, would you smell good or bad? Really raunchy. If you got up and never took a bath and put on a nice, new, pretty outfit from Target every day for 365 days, would you smell good or bad? Bad. There is two parts to your day that every child, every person in in your day will go through multiple times a day. When you go to the restroom, It says, in regard to your former way of life, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, be made new in the attitude of your mind, be transformed, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You teach your kids every time you go to the bathroom, out with the old, in with the new. They're sitting there, captive audience, for just a minute, and so are you. I have my courage to change and my anxiety book in every bathroom you do go to the bathroom. I know you do. Reset your hearts and minds. Be transformed. Have the word of God. Have praying the scripture for your children. Have something in there that's going to renew you and transform you and go, God, I have screwed it up. I need a time out. I took myself to the bathroom. I need a time out. And teach your kids to do the same. And then what can wash away their sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness and flush. He's, it's gone. It's out with the old. Be transformed, stick a new verse in there. That's also where I kept when I was at your stage, Wise Words for Moms, that little calendar that Ginger Plowman put together who wrote, Don't Make Me Count to Three. I kept that calendar in the bathroom. And when I was trying to decide what exactly to address before I disciplined them, she just has you use this passage and pick one thing. What am I trying to get the child to put off? We're flushing that down the toilet. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to lay Hey. Um, do not return evil with evil, but with a blessing. You know, whatever verse I'm going to lay on it. And then put on the new self. It says, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What am I going to walk out of this bathroom having adjusted? Not just my hair, not just my lipstick, my attitude and my actions are going to change. So that's a little microcosm. And at the end of the day, that's where you take inventory in the bathtub with them. What are the things you thought and said and did that were you needed to put off were not God's? How can you be transformed? Lay some truth and some wisdom into that. And then as you put on their clean, fresh jammies, or you put on their clothes for the day, how are you going to be a new person today? And that's one of those little microcosms you build of confession and repentance and newness into their life that happens every day. Now, girls, this was their favorite part, and I'll close, close, close with this. Um, On Saturday with the prayer thing, what happens, and you may be there right now, what happens if you wait too long to go to the bathroom? It hurts, right? It's really hard to hold. At 55, it gets worse and worse as it goes. So just (laughs) know it's coming. What happens if you don't go to the bathroom for a whole day? It's awful. What happens if you are so locked up you don't go to the bathroom for a whole week or maybe even a month? You die. Your heart is the same way. Teach your littles that their heart, you know, when they close their eyes and look inside their heart, it's dark. It's got to be flushed every day. If you teach them confession, confession will lead to contentment. Okay? Put off the old self. It's being corrupted by its deceitful desires that says that God is withholding from you. There is ultimate FOMO in the enemy's mind. He is lying and deceiving you to believing there's more than what you have. Be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I have everything I need for life and godliness. And then put on the new self created to be like God, true righteousness and holiness. That's where contentment lies. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for each small group that these girls will go into. Help them to get in touch with who you made them to be, to be content there, and free them, Lord Jesus, from the bondage of comparison and competition, which is so rampant in our culture. Thank you, Jesus, for this time within this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.